It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Listen to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. Now joined by Mr. William Brad Alice, the freshly minted 50-year-old William Brad Alice. Hello, William. No, I told you, Mike, I'm 60. That way people actually think I look good for my age. No, you're 40. That's what I about. It, unless uh, unless you dispute it, we're going with 40. That's 50. I'm old now. All right. Fair enough. Congrats, though. Very cool. All right. Um, wanted to get into, uh, obviously, want to talk a little bit about uh, Arizona Hoops right now, where they are in the grand scheme of things. I am of the belief that this was actually a very good past weekend for Arizona. Granted, I know that Colorado and Utah did not um, – you know, they're not ranked. It's not like they're great or anything. But the fact that Arizona was able to take care of business without Azulis Tabellis playing his vintage game and getting performances from, <clears throat> excuse me, from other people, I think that's a pretty good thing for the Wildcats right there because they're going to need it at some point. No, no, it was important. I think the, the most important part is you got the two wins. You did so relatively easy. I was, uh, you know, the Colorado game, um, what I think it finished at 10. So I think if you had that 12 point spread, you weren't happy, but they were always seem to be up after that going down 10 initially 12 to 16 for most of that game. Um, you know, again, they did it w- playing very small at times. At one point, I think they had Henderson at the, at the five, um, you know, they threw out that little bit of that zone um, and, and, you know, against Utah a team who beat them, they, they were really never challenged. So, right. That's kind of what you're looking for. You don't need 30 and 40 point wins. They'd be great. No doubt about it. But this is the time of year, unless you're playing really UCLA or USC, you don't want single digit grinded out wins. Right. Um, because you do want to coast for lack of a better word. Um, you know, I would have liked to see Visar and uh, I'm not even sure play. I'm not even sure he or ball played. If not, they didn't play much against Colorado. Uh, only because again, you want to you want to preserve those minutes down the stretch, but they have a week off as well. So now you get ASU uh, this weekend, um, but you get a week to uh, I think as Tommy Lloyd said to work on yourself, not necessarily work on anyone else. Right, for sure. And let's talk about uh, I want to talk a little bit about Courtney Ramey first. We talked about him a little bit yesterday. I like what I'm seeing out of Ramey right now because Kirk Creesa, while very uh, well good, it's not I would say a next level. Dis- I mean. I don't want to say not a next-level distributor because he's leading the conference in assists, but Courtney Ramey at that position right now, every single game you look at, he's getting five assists. He's getting six assists. He's getting four assists. He's become a much more well-rounded player for the Cats, and that's something that I think they need to just take pressure off a curve. Yeah, and I think the thing that he does 
particularly well is the obvious assist. Um, right. Kerr will make some really spectacular plays, but he also makes some bad turnovers. Um, I don't feel like Ramey as often makes the bad, he'll, you know, he'll commit turnovers, but they're usually more defensive plays than they are, you know, throw it into the third row. Cause you're trying to lob it up to someone. Um, so again, I think that's just the difference in their games. Kerr is a more feast or famine type of guy, whereas Ramey's just a little more consistent. I think that's kind of one reason we said he's kind of a rich man's Justin Kyer. Kyer was very right. steady. And for the most part, except for the, some of the streak shooting, uh, Ramey's a more consistent presence than than Creasa, but he also doesn't necessarily have, unless he is knocking down, what was it, seven or eight threes, uh, the highs that Creasa has, especially as a distributor. Yes, for sure. All right. Now let's talk about um, up front then a little bit and then going forward. You got ASU coming to town. Um, we've talked about this all year. I think Arizona's big thing, and Schuster mentioned this a while back, that you want to get the number one seed. Um, if you can beat ASU and if you can sweep the LA schools, I think you're pretty much locked in at that one seed right there. Because I think with the other way teams are losing, having that UCLA win on front of you as well, at that point, Brad, I think that's a hard thing to argue. Yeah, what we learned at least this weekend was right now, as of this moment, uh, the NSA committee is putting a premium on quality wins and not knocking you for, I don't even say bad, mediocre losses. Uh, you know, suddenly Washington State's not as bad a loss as it was three weeks ago. Um, so if Arizona can, again, get win out, that means another win over U.S. or UCLA, another win over a uh, likely tournament team in USC. I don't think USC's, you know, obviously great. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what we're looking at for trying to get um, that one seat. Uh, is it guaranteed? No. I think you still probably have to at least get to the finals of the Pac-12 tournament. I don't know necessarily know if you have to win. I think going two and one against, you know, assuming you lose to UCLA might be enough to get it for you. But, uh, yeah, you probably need to win five of your last six, you know, kind of rounding out the, the year here. Right. And UCLA is very, very good. But I think it's a team that we watched before, and I think Arizona matches up pretty well with UCLA, to be honest with you again. Um, if UCLA were to go far in the tournament, it would not surprise me. But this is also, I think, where you need to get a Julius Tabellis back on track. And the same thing with Umar Ballo, because th th this is the kind of game where I think you need to have both those dudes dominate. Yeah, they just don't have the height um, that Arizona has. And Arizona is slightly more athletic. Um, right. You know, UCLA is a little more physical. So, again, it becomes that kind of battle and it's odd because UCL is a really good team, but they're not as good as Houston doing almost the exact same thing. Right. Um, Cause Houston is a little more athletic across the board. Uh, they're a little longer. Um, UCLA may have some more dynamic scores if they get hot, who ironically enough didn't when Arizona played them, but yeah, it's a it's it's weird because in a weird way it's a bad matchup for both teams and whoever can exert their will and last time it was uh, Arizona exerting their will, right? And so watching Arizona though, the, the basically you're at a seven man rotation right now. 
I, again, Tommy Lloyd is about to break the record for most wins in two seasons. We're going to get to that next. But I watched that, though. I would really like one more. And again, I'd really like to see Arizona have one more team in, or excuse me, one more player in that rotation because seven still feels a little thin to me. What I would, what I'd like to see Lloyd do is boost the rotation up against ASU um, in the Pac-12 tournament. And then if you need to reel the rotation back in for the NCAA tournament, at least you've got potentially three <coughs> of the next five, four of the next six, where you're, you're going with an eight, nine-man rotation. And then again, if you have to reel it back, because you know, we've seen that before. You know, we've seen Luke go with eight and nine man rotations and all of a sudden they get to the tournament. It's a seven man rotation. Um, You know, we we saw Miller do that a few times. Uh, So I think that's probably more likely. You know, you hope you can get out early on ASU. Play those young guys some more. You hope you can, you know, you maybe even do it in in one against the uh, USC. The first two rounds potentially of the uh, Pac-12 tournament, especially that first night. Um, where right. although you're going to probably be playing a team you lost to, uh, it's also a team you've probably gotten revenge against. Right. But, and then you hope if you're a one or two seed, you're coasting in uh, that first round game. You right. Know, you're get, And then, you know, maybe potentially coasting in the second round game if you're making the deep run. But I think you, I don't necessarily want to see the, because he hasn't so far and it's been successful. I love eight and nine man rotations, but, what I would like to see is expand the rotation where applicable. And then when you need to reel it back, um, you, you are able to do that. But if you have to dip in, you know, let's say you have some foul trouble in the first round, second round, let's say, you know, Larson turns an ankle and you got to turn the ball. They also haven't not played in, in, in a month that they've gotten some meaningful minutes again against ASU against, you know, let's say it's Stanford in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. Let's say it's against, you know, Harvard or whoever the 15 seed is or the 16 seed, that they've gotten some quality minutes so they're not coming in completely cold from, uh, you know, not having played much down the stretch. Right. All right. Now, two things that are getting a little bit cold right here for Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Now, again, you're always going to get cold uh, brew from PA or from uh, Four Peaks, but at the Phoenix or excuse me, the U of A guys are not playing as much now, so they're getting a little cold as well. But again, check out Four Peaks. Uh, my guy KB Thiel got me onto the kilt lifter right there. If you know, you know right there, Cody. Um, but again, check it out. Show notes and the link in the description. They're also at the Tap and Bottle Watch Parties and OGs. The official, uh, let's see, the uh, you can basically get OGs at any of your dispensaries. Got to be 21 and up. And Indica's, Sativa's, you name it, they got it. Great flavors, great tastes. Um, again, any of your local dispensaries, it's good for sleep. It's good for helping out. All are as good for feeling cool, all of that stuff. So, again, check it out right there. OGs. Oh, all right. Tommy Lloyd is about to break Bill Guthridge's record for most wins in a uh, first two years. And it doesn't feel, honestly, like we're talking about it enough. I know everybody knows it, but it doesn't feel, Brad, like we're talking about it enough. No, in a weird way, because of the success last year, suddenly Tommy Lloyd overlooked. He didn't make right. the Naismith coaching uh, list. Why? Again, I, right. do I expect him to win it two years in a row? No, you never do almost. But what has he 
not done that Cronin has. He lost right. more than Cronin did. He's won more than Cronin. And again, I don't think I'm not going to say Cronin doesn't deserve to be on that list. Um, to me, I think it's a, it, to me it should be a two man race um, between uh, Rodney Terry and Jerome Tang. I mean, I think those two guys have done the best jobs considering the obstacles that they faced um, with what Kansas State re- basically turning over their entire roster and obviously what's gone on at Texas. But you know, Lloyd lost three first or three NBA draft picks, two first round draft picks, a key senior. And oh yeah, he's in contention for the number one seat again. Right, and it seems uh, like too that we're we're just kind of taking it for granted again. Like I said, you know, I didn't think that Arizona would be this good. Um, I thought they'd be good last year, but not like they were. He's drastically outperformed expectations each season. Just think about this. He's—I don't want to say he's replacing a legend. I don't think we can call Sean Miller a legend. Right, but he is re- replacing an extremely successful coach. Um. And having great success with now, granted, a lot of the players Sean Miller brought in, but not a lot of five star talent. Right. In essence, you could argue, although I think in hindsight we will look at the talent there, that he's doing more with less than Shire has. And I think Shire's done a good job. Certainly better than you know Hubert Davis has, even though hey, Davis had the run. They haven't been very good in regular season. So right. I think, A, in many ways, it's not being seen as, as tough a job because Miller did bring in Kerr and he did bring in uh, you know, Tabellus and, and Glaster, Coloco and, and Matherin. But the fact is, they haven't missed a beat. I mean, right. yeah, they have a couple more bad losses this year, but people are also ignoring how many good wins that they have this year. Right. I think they have the most overranked teams and they're like third or fourth in quad one wins. Right. Um, and I know some of the big 12 teams are starting to pull away with that because they're beating each other. Um, but realistically, if you look at what Arizona's done, you know, Tennessee, everyone's raving about what Tennessee did and rightfully so they went to Bama and won Arizona beat Tennessee. Right. Um, so yeah, I think they are overlooking him to an extent, but you know what? We saw that with a lot of great coaches get overlooked when they don't have the hype machine. Um, Lute was one. I saw one of these lists of all time greatest coaches. And someone's like, why is Mike Montgomery on this list? Cause Mike Montgomery is a damn good basketball coach. Sure. who won at Stanford. Right. He didn't win a, a national championship. He took Stanford to the final four. What has Stanford done since he left? Right. Not much. Um, so again, but Mike Montgomery never had the hype train around him. Um, you know, he doesn't have, you know, ESPN bending over backwards like they did for K. And again, you can argue Coach K is the greatest coach of all time. But, you know, he has the hype train behind him. Um, as much as I like Izzo, you know, Izzo's perception may be slightly better than the results. Again, I love Izzo. So don't, you know, but yeah, I think being in the Pac 12 hurts. Being on those late night West Coast games hurt. Being mild mannered. Um, kind of hurts because uh, I think, you know, when you had Miller being more fiery, a lot of times it draws more eyes on you. Right. And, and I think that's I think Tommy Lloyd's actually all right with that. When you think about it, at the end of the day, he's you know, that's OK. I think the player development too, and Ricky Garrett gets to this point right here, I think is great. The player development under Tommy Lloyd, I think, is next level compared to what it you know, what it was previously. You look at these guys and how they've improved year in and year out. 
you know, Coloco and Terry, obviously great examples there, Ricky. But uh, just look at Umar Ballo. Again, when Umar Ballo came in, I thought he was going to be kind of a Gene Edgerson type. I thought he would be kind of a guy that comes in, you know, throws some elbows, you know, a little bit of roster or, you know, and good practice player. And that's essentially it. Um, he, uh, but you know, that, uh, you know, that, um, the, what he's been able to do though, I think from player development perspective has been fantastic. Yeah. You know, I think, I think Miller gets criticized a little unjustly for his player development, but it wasn't his strength either. Right. Um, I'm not going to pretend to tell you John Miller. Great. But you know, he wasn't awful, but he wasn't great. Right. Wasn't a guy who could, you know, for every Solomon Hill, and Gabe York, there were plenty of uh, Alonzo Triers who never got better. Right. Um, one of the things that Tommy Lloyd was known for was a development guy. Ricardo Foy was known as a development guy. I don't know if that was Steve Robinson's reputation, but you know what? Carolina did not bring in the five stars that Duke and, and Kentucky did or even Kansas did right. they had a lot of three and four year guys who just got better and better and better. I'm going to go out and let me assume some of that was Steve Robinson. So when you built your staff around player development and you can get international guys who are patient, good things can happen. You know, Bala was a five star or a high four star, depending on what service you like because of his raw athletic ability. Right. Took him three years to get there four years right. to get there. He got, he's gotten there. Um, you know, look at how much better, especially over the course of a season, Pella Larson gets. Um, I'm going to be very anxious to see where guys like ball and Visar and Anderson and, um, you know, Philly B are two, three years from now. Um, Cause yeah, right now not looking great, but again, we're so used to, I'm not playing right now. I'm got to leave. Right. Culture. There, there is no progression. There's no just natural. Yes, exactly. Yes. And usually you get one of two things. A guy who rarely do you get anymore in college basketball, especially at a place like Arizona, under Miller. And at the end of the loot era is like this. So let's not, this is not a bash on Miller, where a guy comes in, sits as a freshman, plays spot minutes as a sophomore, rotation player. You know, Gabe York was one of the few. You either get for the lack of, you know, even though I know he wasn't rec necessarily recruited by me, you get Brendan Lavenders of the world. Just, um, what's, you know, the, the guys who by the end of their career, they're in the rotation, but they're just kind of happy to be there. Right. Right. Or you get Justin Simon. Who's like, Oh, I'm not starting right away. I'm gone. Um, here you're getting that again. My, uh, you know, expectation is next year. If he stays a Dama ball is probably a rotational guy. My expectation is Vasar is a starter if their room is clear ahead of them, if those two guys come up. But if not, he's 25 minutes a game. Um, so I think, again, you, yeah, that is how this program, for the most part, is being built. Um, yes, you're going to bring in the occasional five-star who's probably a one-and-done. But you bring in one of those guys, maybe two. But more likely what you do is you either try to find the odd, and there are there, project, five stars, i.e. Umar Ballo, uh, Kylan Boswell, and then you bring in those mid-level four stars, high four stars, but who are not, you know, Dylan Anderson. He's a four, right. He was four star, but he was, what, 120? 
Right, for sure. Um, so you're a low-end four-star at that point. Exactly, who you come in knowing this is how we're doing it in Arizona. Guess who else does that very well? Gonzaga. Guess who else has done that over the years? North Carolina. Um, even, you know, even You know who's remarkable Kansas. at it? You know who's remarkable at it is Bill Self. You look at the what he does. Yeah. Most of his rosters, and again, he gets McDonald's kids, not saying he doesn't, but almost all those guys are top 30 to 100 players that he builds it on. You just look at his guards. Frank Mason was the national player of the year. He was ranked 118th in his class. Then you look at a, your uh, guy, right? Uh, Four-year four guy, yeah. Year. yeah. Then you look at a Devontae Graham, another first-team All-American, a guy who was ranked, uh, who was committed to Appalachian State before Kansas. Now you look at Dewan Harris. It's going to be an All-American this year, the 94th-rated guy. They have a very good way. He has a very good way of doing things like that. And, you know, honestly, I think that you can win like that, and I think that that's very much of a loot-type uh, way of going about things. Get a couple elite kids in there, but also have – you know, the, you know, your, your guys that you develop, because I think the roster development, the player development from guys like self guys, like, uh, you know, Tommy Lloyd is next level. Yeah. And I think self is a guy who reinvented himself a little bit. You know, he brought in Pardon the pun, in, reinvented himself. Ah, uh, yeah. You're not going to get the Jay-Z reference today. Cause I'm out of Jay-Z reference. I'm not a big, I'm not a big hip hop guy. So, uh, right. so apologies. Um, at least not modern hip hop, but um, yeah, you will get a pun that was unintentional, but I'm, I'm 50 now. I get to make these jokes. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, you see a reinvention, you see a, a reliance on again, really talented players, but maybe guys who aren't NBA lottery guys right away. Right. Um, and you know, Miller tried to do that a little bit too. And, you know, ironically enough, I don't think he thought Matherin, Coloco and uh, uh, Dal and Terry, Dale and Terry were, quick to bail guys. I mean, right. I think Terry was seen as a four year guy. I think Coloco was seen as a pr total project. Um, you know, they're just so wildly athletic that they were able to leave early. All right. Now tap and bottle the watch parties. We're going to have one, not this week, but the coming week here, we'd love to see you down there. Tap and bottle downtown. Uh, and as you know, Scott and Rebecca do a great job Four peaks many times there as well. Come down there, yell at the screen. We can have a lot of a great time. Uh, good people show up right there. Uh, uh, Scott and Rebecca, again, awesome people. Tap and Bottle downtown. We'd love to see you down there. We will uh, be putting that out there shortly. And Illegal Pete's. The, uh, now, listen, high-energy places, places you want to go to have fun, Illegal Pete's. You can go to the one in Tempe, or you can go to the one in Tucson. You name it, they've got it. Good food, good drink, good scenery, good uh, lively environments, Illegal Pete's on University. Check it out for both. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. All right. I wanted to move to a little bit of Arizona football. It's going to be a little bit shorter show today. William's got the kids. I got a doctor's appointment. I'm not feeling great. So I was looking at this last night, Brad. Is this about as deep a skill position across the board as we've seen at Arizona in quite some time? You got Jane Delora quarterback. Then you got Noah Fafita. Then you got Braden Dorman. Then at running back, you've got Michael Wiley, Jonah Coleman, DJ Williams, and wide receiver. We already know what you got. Then at tight end, you got Tanner McLaughlin, Kean Burnett. I can't remember Arizona being this loaded in quite a while at those skill positions, maybe since 98. You know, there might, it's, it's tough. I would say maybe you went deeper during the Stoops era, but the high end wasn't as high. Um, you know, there were times Stoops might have six receivers, but none of them were a number one. Or, you know, a number one was like Mike Thomas, who, again, had his limitations. But, yeah, I think when you look at, you know, Cowing and you look at, uh, you know, T-Mac, 
that's a legit as good as anyone in the nation really one two punch right um, with maybe the exception of whatever just because ohio state and alabama seem to have 95 receivers who are first round right. but um you know running back is is a good group again is there a star there maybe not um although wiley put up some big numbers had some big runs last year yeah the one two punch at tight end is Probably the I, I'm going to go back to the 80s when they had two uh, French NFL <laughs> tight ends and Mark right. Keel and oh, I forget who the other one was back in the back in the day. Um, but yeah, so you look at that, you know, Fafita has proven that he can at least play at this level. Obviously, uh, Jaden Delara looked really good <laughs> last year. Dorman's got potential. Um, but again, with the quarterback position, I mean, how many times, you know, Stoops a few times had four four stars on the roster and one of them would be good. Right. But yeah, so I think if you look at it, the the skill position is good enough to win in the Pac-12. The question now is, can you fill those holes on the offensive line? Um, can you get Morgan back uh, healthy in time? Can you find a, a few guys to shore up some spots? And if you can, this will go was already a good offense, but I think I think you're still going to need it to take uh, a spot up um, in terms of offensive productions because you're going to get into some more shootouts. Right. And I think that's where you've got to go into this year. If you're Arizona, I think you've got to go into this year knowing that, you know what, hopefully the defense gets a little bit better, but you've got to be able to, you got to expect to be able to score in the mid thirties, I think pretty much game in and game out. And again, how many times last year did Arizona score in the thirties and lose? Right. I think it was three or four. Right. Um, so while I need the defense to be better, I don't know how much better it can really be. Obviously, you're not. If you give up 49 three times, you're, you know, what they get 49 three times, four times. I can't remember now. Right. Uh, you need to be better, but you're going to have to win shootouts. And that's just A, the way modern college football is, and B, the Pac 12 is, and C, the way Arizona's built. Um, but yeah, it's finding that combination of can you add two scores a game to the, right. you know, whether that's, you know, 10 points a game, uh, 14 points a game. And conversely, knock down the average by about two scores a game, then Arizona suddenly a, a nice team. Are they, are they a national championship contender? No, but are they a bowl team? Who's maybe playing for a better bowl than we expect? Yeah. All right. Now, um, real quick, octane raceway Mavericks. Let's say you're like Brad and you got the kids and you're thinking to yourself, man, what should we do this weekend? I'd like to go up to uh, do something fun. Octane Raceway Mavericks up in Scottsdale has it. You got racing, you've got uh, you got video games, you got good food and drink for the kids. Um, again, pretty cool place up there. Worth the trip. There's a reason that everybody's uh, going up there. Everything you really need, they've got it. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. Great stuff. Octane Raceway Mavericks, great stuff in uh, Scottsdale. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. And Mountain Mike's Pizza. Again, I am not Mountain Mike. Some people think I am. They are wrong. Mountain Mike is much cooler than I am. He is an Oracle in Wetmore. You can go there. You can get pizza. You can get drink. You can get good food. You name it, they got it. And many times at the Tap and Bottle Watch Parties, they will be there as well. So, again, check it out. Mountain Mike's Pizza. All right, Brad. A little bit of a shorter show today. I know you got to go get the kids. I'm not feeling the greatest. We're going to sign off. But everybody on there, appreciate all your comments. I'm going to try to get... Uh, feeling a little bit better we got cedric henderson's uh senior coming on tomorrow ex-nba player talk about his kid and all of that but brad appreciate you as always my guy we'll talk to you soon sounds good mike all right for brad alice i'm mike luke you've been listening to the az wildcats podcast